conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show, conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. My apologies for the previous few minutes. Uh, we seem to have a glitch where we lost our connection to the Internet. So if you heard some strange things, that was probably what it was. Anyway, hopefully we're okay now. We're up and running. So let's get started. As I had said er earlier a few minutes ago, I haven't agreed with everything Donald Trump has said uh, or done over these past four years. Uh, but these are minor things. I remain staunchly committed to the president, pretty much 100 percent. And the events of the last few days haven't changed any of that. I know he's working for we the people, and he's trying to save the republic. Uh, everything he's been doing, he's been doing to try to, to save our republic. The events of the past week, as I said, have, have not changed that one bit for me. And under no circumstances do I believe that he had did, done anything to encourage violence in this assault on the Capitol – Although it's trying – it was a false flag operation, and I'll have more to say about that in a few minutes. Uh, there's no evidence that he indicated you know, that he did anything to inf encourage uh, this uh, violence uh, at the Capitol building. Uh, uh, he did want people to show support for him and that they did not want these uh, votes counted at that time if they could stop it. Uh, but anyway, we'll hear more about all this in, in a few minutes. We better move forward here. The problem is uh, that was he urged people to to march, I think, toward the Capitol, uh, out, stay outside the Capitol, I believe. But they it was co-opted by a group of radicals who came in there and took over the thing. May have encouraged, unfortunately, some of the Trump supporters to go along with them, and it played perfectly into the hands of our political enemies. <clears throat> we'll be looking into the false flag anti-Fallet riot, or at least this is the reports I'm getting about it, <clears throat> at the Capitol building in Washington shortly. But suffice it to say now that this event served the exact purpose I believe it was intended to, and that was to blame and vilify Trump and his supporters and intimidate numerous representatives and senators into withdrawing their support for a challenge to Congress's certification of the Electoral College's vote on January 6th, which handed the presidency to Joe Biden at this time at least, and possibly – to be used to justify even more draconian measures to silence opponents, which I'll discuss further in a few minutes. Still, more than 100 Republican senator, I'm sorry, 100 Republican representatives and six or seven senators stood their ground and voted against the certification of the electoral votes. Now, a vicious campaign of hatred and intimidation is being waged to try to drive some of them from office and even persecute, prosecute them. Uh, of course, there were more. Plenty to join in with this until the so-called riot happened and everyone got turned off by it or was intimidated. <clears throat> we have been shocked and sickened over these past few months to see the corruption and breakdown of our democratic institutions and processes which we thought would save us and the republic, including the despicable cowardice of most of our so-called Supreme Court justices who chose to turn their backs on our president, the nation their oath of office and the Constitution, rejecting the lawsuit brought by Texas and joined by, I think it was at least 17 other states, challenging the rushed certification of electoral votes in the key swing states for Biden. And as you will see shortly, at least four of those states sent a letter to Congress, I think it was President Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Penn, I'm sorry, Mike Pence, also President of the Senate, <clears throat> asking him to delay or send back to them their votes in the Electoral College because they're doing investigations into alleged allegations of corruption. <clears throat> but Pence, for whatever his reason, decided he could not do that. <clears throat> now the swamp is going berserk to try to get rid, once and for all, of Donald Trump. I agree with radio host Rush Limbaugh that they are scared to death about what Trump might do in what looks like his last days in office that could expose their appalling corruption to the American people. And that might include declassifying material that would show this. So they're doing everything they can to smear and destroy Trump and his supporters politically, including an unprecedented second, an unprecedented second impeachment campaign 
which may be completed after Trump leaves office. If successful, Trump would be prohibited from ever running for president again. That's their goal. They have to cover up what they've done. Here's some thoughts on this by political commentator Dick Morris on his Lunch Alert program on from his on let's see yesterday, January 9th on his website dickmorris.com. Please play soundbite 1. Fasten your seatbelts. Nancy Pelosi and the Joe Biden and the Democrats are planning a new reign of terror. Nancy Robespierre Pelosi uh, to terrorize Americans into political conformity and punish severely anyone that strays. What's going on now in Washington is that they're using the riots, which were outrageous, despicable, disgraceful, and I can't do anything but strongly condemn them to justify uh, a, a reign of terror in this country where they uh, take actions that are extreme and designed to suppress free speech. Start with the ridiculous impeachment of Donald Trump that's undoubtedly going to pass on the party line vote on Monday. The second impeachment of the, one, of the president in a term, the only time that's ever happened and only the fourth impeachment in American history. A totally moot and uh, and grudge point uh, because he can't be removed from office. The requirement of the Constitution and the rules for intervals between each step in the impeachment process would allow a vote at earliest in the Senate one hour after Trump leaves office. Uh, but more importantly, the goal here is to make it a crime, and I believe they'll probably legislate this, to say that this election was stolen to say that that utterance is sedition and can be punished criminally. It goes back to what happened with John Adams when he passed the Sedition Act. Again, when we were going to war with France, making it a crime to criticize the government. And then you go to Woodrow Wilson in World War One, who worked on making it a crime to oppose World War One, oppose the American involvement or oppose the draft. Then you go to the 50s with McCarran Act, that made it a crime to be a communist and to advocate the overthrow of the government. Those are all instances in which free speech went out the window and a national hysteria made legitimate opponents into criminals. That's really begun to happen. When Josh Hawley, who has been very courageous in supporting Trump in this ridiculous impeachment process and supporting his claims about the election, had a book contract with Simon & Schuster which publishes any number of books for and against Trump, and is, by the way, by the, way the publisher of many of the anti-Trump books. And they had a contract with Hawley, and they dropped it. They dropped his book and uh, because of the pressure that was applied to various TV networks are saying that they're being discriminated against. And Fox News, apparently, and Newsmax, with the subject of efforts by the Democrats, uh, by CNN actually, to have them kicked off the cable dial in markets throughout the country. Advertisers are being pressured not to advertise on programs of people that are supporting Trump in his claims about the election. And the hope is to drive them into bankruptcy. And that's just the beginning. You're going to see systematic lawfare in libel suits throughout the country. And most importantly, you'll see government action against those who say that this election was stolen. Tomorrow I'll talk about specifically what happened and whether or not it was stolen, we'll discuss that. Uh, but to say that it is stolen as an act of sedition or an act of treason, which Chuck Schumer did, uh, and uh, Biden said that it was part of the big lie, basically quoting Joseph Goebbels and accusing Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley of following in his wake. Uh, those are beyond the pale. They're absolutely outrageous. The fact that the president of the United States and the incoming Senate majority leader both said this and that the Speaker of the House said even worse. Uh, we literally are in for a reign of terror, and we should realize that. What we should do as Americans is we should patronize those channels that are being boycotted. We should listen to Newsmax like it's Radio Free Europe. 
you should subscribe to this site and uh, get your friends and colleagues to do likewise because you're not going to get the truth from any place else. Uh, and this big lie of the, their big lie of saying that this election was not stolen and that anyone who says it is is completely fanciful is ridiculous. When I heard these comments from Dick Morris, it made me think about what could come of all this. They are trying to cover up and stamp out any talk of a stolen election, fraud, election fraud, and calling it sedition. Investigations at the state level into these fraud allegations could and should continue even after Trump left office. So will the reporting and commentary in the alternative media. All the while, with the controlled mainstream media screaming that this is all lies, that there is no evidence of fraud, which Biden won legitimately, which claiming that Biden won the election legitimately and so on. I shouldn't have to say this, but now, just for the record, I am not advocating any type of violence or insurrection here. But there has been talk of Trump using the Insurrection Act. This might be the last chance that he has to do it. Let's look at that just briefly. I don't I'm not an expert on history, but it has been used at different times. I understand this was originally started back in 1807 or something. Uh, Thomas Jefferson got it to try to prevent Aaron Burr, his former vice president, who killed Alexander Hamilton in the duel from forming an army and trying to take over the country. This is from history.com. It does state that after the Civil War, uh, of course, it was modified and Lincoln used it to justify some things in the Civil War, 1861. It, it's claimed that he arrested a number of. I don't, I'm not 100% on this, but from what I've read, he arrested a number of newspaper editors and also uh, uh, I believe the head of the Supreme Court at one point. But anyway, it states from history.com, after the Civil War, the Insurrection Act was further amended to give the president authority to enforce the 14th Amendment and the conditions of reconstruction in the South. That authority is now found in Section 253 of Title 10 of the U.S. Code, which gives the president the right to take military action within a state when, quote, any part or class of its people is deprived of a right, privilege, immunity, or protection named in the Constitution and secured by law, and the constituted authorities of that state are unable, fail, or refuse to protect that right, privilege, or immunity, or to give that protection, close quote. Now, I can't think of a better definition of what's been happening in these swing states, but, of course, we don't know for sure what's going to come from all this, so... We'll have to see, but uh, I think there's justification for using this. The problem is I see Biden taking office and him invoking the Insurrection Act along with his allies to silence critics, shut down the investigations, and cover up and destroy evidence. I and everyone else, if that happens, that talk about this will then be silenced under penalty of arrest and incarceration without trial indefinitely. Because the Insurrection Act suspends the right of habeas corpus, which is the trial, I believe. It would be the ideal way of shutting down all opposition and preventing reforms to prevent future fraud in the elections, thus ensuring leftist control of elections forever. Very, very scary. Another development which may lend itself to the use of the Insurrection Act, whether that will happen or not, we don't know. I don't know. I think the big problem here is that would the military support this? Would enough in the military support it? But it's something to think about anyway. But in the recent in the recent week or so, in the last week or so, <clears throat> there have been reports that Italy, and that being including the Prime Minister of Italy, Mr. Conti, and a company known as Leonardo SPA, which has a subsidiary in this country, which got a billion dollars from the U.S. government. It's a large one of the largest aerospace and uh, tech, tech companies in the world, uh, they involve, they're involved in, uh, uh, I think, cybersecurity, uh, that they were involved. They have a signed affidavit from a person who claims that they were uh, involved in the using their satellites to transfer, to get control of the votes in the election in 17 states, not just these swing states, and to switch them from Trump to Biden and then send them to the servers we've that's been reported in in uh, in Germany and then sent back to the U.S. Now we've all, if we if you know about some of these reports, you've seen these votes total switching. 
you'll see Trump and Biden and a bunch of votes drop from Biden, jump to drop from Trump's total and are added to Biden's total instantaneously. That's what they're talking about. Anyway, we'll go. I don't know where this is all going to go, but it seems to be something that's beginning to become a scandal here. <clears throat> but of course, if Biden gets control, this will all be covered up. I'm sure. <clears throat> Anyone who's reasonably open-minded not ignorant of the facts and not completely brainwashed by the wealthy, supposedly elite establishments, virulently Trump-hating media, believes that the 2020 presidential election was stolen through massive fraud. This fraud was committed with a, with a well-organized – or via a well-organized scheme to throw the election, particularly in the six or so key swing states that decided the electoral college votes for Joe Biden. Apparently what happened, the narrative – this is what Sidney Powell had said. They, the, the programs they use to switch these votes, if this is true, uh, it has to be confirmed, but uh, we're seeing more, ev- more and more evidence that it's happened. It's not intended to make huge differences. Uh, you know, We're talking 1% to 3% of the total vote counted. It turned out that apparently when this was done, allegedly, that in, during the election in November 3, November 4, so on, they found that it was Trump's lead was still too high. That's when they had to rush and get all these uh, ballots, these so the allegations of these uh, fraudulent absentee ballots, mail-in ballots used to turn the tide here for Biden. Anyway, I uh, see the, the terrifying thing about all this is that we believed this election, that we believed we had a real functioning Republican democracy that had checks and balances in place to prevent or at least stop this coup. To overthrow our duly elected constitutional government. I mean, this is what I believe. I think many other people believe it too. They say at least half the country believes this, according to polls. <clears throat> we were wrong. You saw this when you saw the Supreme Court turn their backs on us. The big question now is what can be done about it all? As former Secret, Secret Service agent and conservative commentator Dan Bongino put it the other day, we're in a dark period in, in our history right now. I'd say that's putting it mildly. If you were following the situation on alternative media, you saw the testimony from just some of the hundreds of election workers who gave sworn affidavits. I think there's about a thousand of them who gave sworn affidavits discussing the horrendous corruption they witnessed in Democrat-controlled vote processing centers in Philadelphia, Detroit, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Las Vegas, and elsewhere. You saw the discussion by experts who declared that the electronic voting machine hardware and software in these states is not just Dominion, but Dominion has a large share of it, but I was told if you looked on that documentary on uh, who's stealing America on uh, on the Epoch Times website, uh, they have a, an expert there who said it's, it's all the all the electronic software. Um, the the it can be easily hacked. Was often illegally connected to the internet, and vote totals were sent to foreign countries, or they could be easily switched, denied, deleted, and otherwise manipulated. At least those are the, that's the allegations, and we're seeing evidence of it. Significant evidence of it. You heard about Republican poll watchers repeatedly being kept away from vote counting and unable to examine or dispute any fraud they might have seen in, on ballots in violation of state and federal law. You, you saw and heard the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, discuss things like the shocking surveillance video surveillance footage at the Atlanta vote counting center showing Democrat poll workers send everyone else home, pull containers of ballots out from under a table and begin illegally counting them in secret. You heard Giuliani say that analysis of voting machines and software in Michigan showed huge error rates for electronic ballots, which were then sent to adjudication files where anyone in charge could change, delete, or switch those votes. And that now, in violation of state law, those adjudication files in Michigan have been deleted. You saw witnesses testify about curing of ballots illegally so more votes for Joe Biden could be counted about carloads of boxes and bags of ballots being brought in to vote counting centers in the swing states late at night or early in the morning after regular vote counting had stopped. And then, mysteriously, huge increases to Joe Biden's vote counts were recorded, pulling him ahead of Donald Trump. You heard about multiple scanning of ballots for Biden, so these votes, legally or illegally cast, could be counted numerous times. You heard about thousands of dead people, people who had moved out of state, non-citizens and other ineligible people casting votes. And about other illegal and questionable schemes such as ballot drop boxes with no chain of custody requirements, mail-in ballots sent to people illegally, lack of identification and signature checks to ensure legal voting, hundreds of thousands of mail-in ballots sent illegally to, to voters and more. 
as Trump has fought on through all this to work with these within the system to get justice and reestablish integrity for our electoral processes, we have witnessed bitter defeat after defeat in this regard and are watching the terrifying specter of the end of our constitutional system and rule of law. I'd like to be wrong about this. I really would. The end of the freedom we have so long taken for granted and plunging and the plunging of this nation into totalitarianism is a distinct possibility and is on the horizon, I believe. One of the most awful experiences we had we've had to experience is our betrayal by so many rhinos, Republicans in name only, people who cast themselves as conservatives and allies and then betrayed the principles they claimed they had. Was this planned all along? Was it bribery, extortion, intimidation? In the future, we've got to be wary of such treacherous individuals and behavior. We need real Republicans who won't be cowed or bought off and betray the people who elected them. So many people have kept thinking that President Trump has some magic wand or powers that he was going to suddenly wave that wand and make everything right again. I'd love – again, I'd love to be wrong about this, but I can't help but believe – can't help but believe Trump, working with all alone, say for a few loyal, close allies, appears to have exhausted all his options trying to work within the system. There's been talk of invoking the Insurrection Act, as we discussed here, and imposing martial law to clean up the corruption and defeat the coup overthrowing his presidency. But I don't know if he would have the military's full support. There may be too many quislings and traitors planted there as well as in so much of the rest of the government. Though I would support such an action as the Insurrection Act being invoked, if that's not feasible, we must continue to stand together and work to right these terrible wrongs and turn things around. For more information and perspectives on what's been happening, let's start with the gathering in Washington January 6th by what I believe was around 800,000 people total. They were Trump supporters, and the later unrest at the congressional facility – uh, I'm sorry, the Capitol building, as Congress was debating counting of the Electoral College votes. The president's lawyers, Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman, were there and at the rally earlier before the violence at the Capitol and spoke at the rally uh, where Trump himself also spoke. Take on this by listening to excerpts from his Common Sense video podcast series, episode 101, which he put out on January 8th. Play sound by two, please. Hello. Welcome back to Rudy's Common Sense. Of course, I'm Rudy Giuliani. The narrative has already begun to set in, in our new world, the world of censorship, the world of the Iron Curtain of censorship, where the repetition of the same narrative is almost word for word identical on ABC, CBS, NBC, some days now, even Fox, CNN, MSN, oh, M please, I, don't, I can't go through all of them, you know that. The New York Times, the Washington Post, all the newspapers, the magazines, the whole big media repeat the same thing as if they're an organ of the Democrat Party. Every narrative the Dems want to spin, they can spin. Well, we have another example of that. Honestly, at this point, I don't know how bad, and I am going to fully examine it in great detail over the weekend. But for now, I want to point out some of the things just so that it doesn't get so locked in your mind that, that, that it becomes impossible to see the other side of it if there is another side to it. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about the horrendous, uh, thing that occurred after, after the very, very, uh, up, lifting rally for President Donald Trump on uh, the 6th of January, the day that the vote was being taken. So I, show, I showed you this. Um, it is not by any means a full and complete analysis of everything that happened. We're going to struggle to have to, to do that. We're going to work all weekend trying to gather more and more footage. But what it does do is it does, I hope, raise questions about the fairness of what you're seeing on television and in the newspapers. I mean, there's plenty, plenty of evidence that Antifa and left-wing groups were leading this in order, to, in order to damage the reputation 
of uh, President Trump in order to do what they could to uh, affect what was going on with the Electoral College, particularly since four states had, had just the night before submitted letters saying that they were, um, they were convinced that the count in their state was inaccurate, false, and fraudulent, and that they wanted uh, the vice president, president of the Senate, to return uh, those to them so that they could do the proper forensic audit so that within 10 days they could return an accurate number. And some of them went so far as to say they wanted to decertify Biden. That, that happened the night before, or maybe the, some of it even the day before. And uh, at this point, we had Democrats in panic. Uh, who planned this? How was it planned? Sure wasn't planned by the Trump campaign. And they sure, and the major protagonists here, sure were not members of the Trump campaign. And we have video evidence that the Trump people did everything they could to prevent this, at least in two major incidents. And it seemed that the witnesses, the prevailing number of witnesses, had that point of view. So when people tell you, oh, Trump caused it, Trump caused it, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. This was planned before the riot. There's plenty of evidence that the Trump people tried to prevent these people from engaging in violence. There's plenty of evidence that there were Antifa people there and other left-wing radicals who were well-trained in doing this because they were doing it all summer with very, very little criticism from Joe Biden and Harris and all of the pontificators now who are lying because they leave these facts out. This is what we exist for. This is what common sense exists for. We need, we need things like common sense. Because if we didn't have common sense and 10 or 12 other podcasts and a couple of networks here and there, we'd become a country in which we had no free press at all. We have to go around the Iron Curtain to get you this information. You will not hear this information in the Democrat-dominated, government-dominated, big-business-dominated press, which has now become just, a, just a, um, a mouthpiece of Joe Biden. Did you notice Giuliani's statement that four of the key swing state legislatures sent a letter to on January 5th to Vice President and President of the Senate Mike Pence, asking him to send their electoral votes back to them while they continue working on investigations about election fraud. And some of them even said they intended to decertify the electoral votes for Biden. But Pence, for whatever his reason or reasons, declared he was constrained by the Constitution and had no authority to do so. I recommend you watch the full episode, number 101, of Rudy Giuliani's Common Sense. You can find it on his website, Rudy Giulianics. That's R-U-D-Y-G-I-U-L-I-A-N-I-C-S, as in Sam, dot com. And elsewhere on, the inter- elsewhere on the Internet, though, as has been noted, the big tech platforms are now taking down and banning this type of information. But you should still be able to find it on Giuliani's website, if nowhere else. That episode had vi- has video showing people who were at the events in Washington on January 6th claiming they witnessed truckloads of Antifa thugs being escorted to the Capitol by police and other shocking things, including video showing the fatal shooting of Trump supporter Ashley Babbitt. And as we know, there were some Trump supporters who were involved in this assault on the Capitol building. That doesn't mean everybody, the great majority of these 800,000 or so people who attended, I believe that was the best estimate I've seen uh, – were peaceful and had no intention of doing anything like this. While this was indeed a terrible and saddening incident, Ashley Babbitt was shown at the front of the demonstrators trying to break through a barricaded entranceway in the Capitol building with armed law enforcement personnel on the other side when the shooting occurred. At least that's what it looked like to me. A most dangerous place to be, and she paid the ultimate price for it. There's no doubt that some upset Trump supporters, as I said, were involved in the Capitol storming and break-in, and while I condemn such illegal acts as futile and very damaging to our cause, I also can't blame these people for being extremely frustrated and perhaps desperate given all that we've been witnessing. And I understand this did take place shortly after it was announced that Mike Pence was not going to do anything to prevent the certification of the electoral votes for Biden. 
Now let's listen to some commentary about the capital violence earlier and earlier Trump rally by Dave, from David Zhang, host of the video podcast series Beyond the Noise. Zhang was there on the ground at the time. Like other conservative commentators, Zhang's videos and commentary are being taken down from YouTube, Twitter, and elsewhere for talking about election fraud. But you can still find him by searching it on the internet. As I said, his podcast series is Beyond the Noise. And he's also moved to the new YouTube competitor, Rumble. I believe that's rumble.com. Play sound by three, please. I don't think that they were all Trump supporters. I think that especially after hearing that people had gotten in and gotten injured, more Trump supporters started more, uh, pushing forward. And because uh, I, I heard people were saying, you know, um, people were injured, but like nobody was angry to the point where they were trying to start, get a whole mob of people to go up. Um, and then at 2.30, actually around 3 p.m., the mayor, I believe, had imposed a curfew. So at this point, we didn't think that there was, there was any reason to stay behind, so we started making our way out. And this is already past 3.30. Um, we spoke with one more person who said that uh, one person had been shot in the nose, one person got shot in the neck. So I think that was Ashley who had passed away. There was also people shot in the head. Um, well, I, we don't know the exact numbers as to how many people were there who went inside the building. And the more I think about this, the, the weirder it gets because there was no reason for anyone to get into the building other than trying to ruin the fact that Senator Ted Cruz was, he, I saw a picture, he had a whole stack of documents and those were most likely the hard evidence I was trying to tell you he, that he was going to bring. But this whole event seemed just super coincidental to the timing of when he was going to object. Because this, now if you heard the news, this whole thing has caused a lot of senators and representatives to withdraw their objection. So really, it didn't really provide any benefits to anybody trying to get through the objections and the voting. All it did was delay the time and it ruined a lot of the support that it had. So this really reminded me of what happened in Hong Kong last year where they had protesters, fake protesters mixed in with actual protesters, but those protesters would be um, undercover police or there would be ill-intentioned individuals who were just trying to ruin the day of the, the real protesters. And also, it was it was almost, it felt to me like it, there was a, a setup, but I can't really explain it because most people there were just standing, like I mentioned repeatedly. I really want to get this fact straight, is that nobody was really trying to incite violence. There were a few people calling for um, changes, or I guess they were more vocal. They were, they had their megaphone and they were saying stuff, but nobody was actually following through with that because most people know this whole event is supposed to be a peaceful gathering, and that's what it was. 99.9% .9 of the people there was there for peaceful gathering, and that one, that 0.01% was the reason that this whole thing sort of blew out. We'll hear more from David Zhang on the implications of all this shortly. But first, here's more commentary on the electoral certification controversy by another of the president's lawyers, John Eastman, this time on former Trump advisor Steve Bannon's program, War Room Pandemic, January 7. Our soundbite starts off with Steve Bannon asking about Georgia Senator Kelly Loeffler's Kelly Loeffler, who just lost re-election to her Senate seat, withdrawing her objection to certification of electoral votes for Biden because of the riot at the Capitol. Please play soundbite four. Did the facts of what you're talking about, this constitutional crisis at the state level at Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, and, and Michigan, and let's throw in Nevada there too, is the constitutional crisis that we're still in, right, even with the, even with the certification of the Biden electors last night? Uh, at three forty-six in the morning, is, it, is, that, it, it is. is that is that Senator Loeffler is wrong? Is is, is anything changed that that the, well, the, the facts change that she should have come back and said that? 
No, the, 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 look, the reason she was going to object was because the electoral votes from those four states, uh, at least, were illegally entered because the state statutes were ignored deliberately by state election officials, oftentimes in collaboration with the Biden campaign. That didn't change. The validity of those electors calling into question, which is what the purpose of the objection was, didn't change. That means that the uh, democratic process had been messed with. Uh, had been altered deliberately by partisan, unelect, by non-legislative officials in those states in violation of the federal constitution. That didn't change. Uh, and the notion that a couple of Antifa-led break-ins to the Capitol from an audience that was a half a million to a million people outside the Capitol, peaceful, uh, would would get her to say they're they're the ones that are uh, un- undermining our democracy when it was the illegality. But, but, but let's say, pro- but but hang on, but let's say let's say it's not even Antifa led. Look, we still have to determine the facts yeah. of all of it. I understand a lot of the audience saying it's all Antifa. Hey, Maggie was up there. That that's that there were. Let's be honest, there were some elements uh, that had gone to the had there gone to the were. speech. Had, yep. So 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 I don't want to get into the debate about that and ruin your. But my point is whether it was Trump people or Antifa. Whoever came in there, a CCP or, or whatever, or a bad guys, whoever, or a collection of, uh, of Benedictine nuns, okay? Yep. Does yep. that they even should. make any difference? Does that, no, no, does that make any difference to continue that? Does it? No, and, and let me be very clear. Anybody that violated uh, the, the federal police line ought to be arrested, and we ought to get to the bottom of that. But it does not alter yes. the fact— that state legislative officials violated their state law in conducting an illegal election in violation of Article 2 of the federal constitution. And that issue still needs to be resolved. And it was on that issue that she was going to object. And that did not change when she decided not to object. Uh, the, the, the undermining of the democratic process, the manner of choosing electors to use the language of the federal constitution that had been set in place by the legislature that was ignored by state election officials deliberately to skew the election. That did not change. And you want to talk about undermining our democratic process. It's by one side refusing to play by the rules that are set out by the constitutional branch that is allowed to set those rules and then and then claiming, uh, you know, we are not allowed to question that. That was the purpose of the objection. And nothing that happened yesterday afternoon changed that. Now, let's hear some more commentary on these current events from conservative commentator Michael Lewis on his podcast series Eye Opener on January 6th. In it, you'll hear him as he narrates video of television coverage of the Georgia runoff, senatorial runoff races, in which you see more than 37,000 votes for Republican Senator David Perdue suddenly switch from Perdue to the vote total for his Democratic opponent, John Ossoff. Play soundbite five, please. Yesterday, Georgia Senate election results prove that there can be no true democracy in a corrupt system. In yesterday's race, the two Republican contenders seem to be on the downside, and the reason was simple. It's because the Dominion system is still in use. All the illegal measures had not been changed. The vote-counting fraud in Georgia Senate race was inadvertently captured several times on CNN and ABC on January 5th. These These videos had been uploaded to Twitter and widely distributed. The first one involved the evaporation of 32,400 votes, and the second one shows 5,000 votes disappearing in a matter of seconds. On these two occasions alone, Republican U.S. Senate candidate Purdue lost 37,400 votes. As you can clearly see on the ABC TV Live ballot update, 32,400 votes for the Republican David Purdue had just disappeared. The tally at the beginning of the video shows Democrat Oshoff at 945,050 votes and Purdue with 774,722. However, a few seconds later, after the update, we see the following numbers. Ossoff at 945,050 and Purdue with 742,323. The number of votes for Purdue for oh, sorry for Perdue's uh, appointment and Ossoff did not change at all, while Perdue's votes decreased from seven hundred and seventy four thousand seven hundred and twenty three to seven hundred and forty two thousand three hundred and twenty three. A total of thirty two thousand four hundred votes were removed. Let's check out this video so we could see it. Yeah, you see it right there. 
No. Another Twitter, another Twitter video involves the mysterious disappearance of the Purdue's 5,000 votes. Let's take a look at the footage. The live vote that uh, update below the ABC TV show Osof at 2,110,529 and Purdue was at 2,130,535. Let's see if we could just cue this up if it's not there already. Okay, however, a few seconds after the update, we see the following numbers. Osof with 2,110,529 and Purdue with 2,125,535. After the update, Osof's votes remain the same. However, Purdue's votes are 5,000 less. The same 5,000 votes disappearance appears on CNN's screen. As experts telling legislative committees investigating allegations of vote fraud and election fraud in the swing states have stated, you should never see votes counts, vote counts decrease in vote tallies, only increase. Here is yet more evidence that something was terribly wrong in these elections, as we have seen similarly during the presidential race. What do we expect in Georgia for the Senate runoff results when the same corrupt practices that won the election for Biden were in place for the runoff elections? Now let's hear from, more from David Zhang, this time from his video series Beyond the Noise on January 8, comparing what's happening here in the USA to the communist regime in China and warning that we are seeing the beginning of a communist takeover here in the USA. Please play Soundbite 6. Good evening and welcome to the show. On the show tonight, I will begin with a deep breakdown of a communist movement that is brewing in the United States. And then I will get into Trump saying he will not attend the inauguration. Then I have a special message to our viewers. Let's get into it. Okay, but first I have to show you this video. It's from Christina Bob on Twitter and it shows the people were let into the Capitol Hill building. So how exactly did it turn violent? What is the story? I need to know. The American Cultural Revolution is happening very well in this country. That is our first topic today. It is a very apparent communist movement that is brewing in this country. Following the January 6th incident, legacy media are asking the American people to identify individuals who were inside the Capitol building. In exactly 29 photos, USA Today is playing the part of asking neighbors, family, co-workers to rat out their closest friends and family in the name of apparent justice. Rick Klein, the political director at ABC News, made a tweet on Thursday asking for the cleansing of the Trump movement. Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat, is trying to impeach the president 13 days before his first term ends. They're scared. About what? Didn't they just certify Joe Biden? They're scared that Trump would run again in 2024 and actually win. They want to make sure Donald J. Trump never exists in Washington ever again. This is how scared everyone is of President Trump. New York Post reports that the D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine says Donald Trump Jr., Giuliani, even the President of the United States were calling on their supporters and hate groups to go to the capitals and, in the words of Giuliani, exercise combat justice and were going to investigate not only the mobsters but also those who invited the violence. So they're going to try to charge the President and everyone around them with crimes. You know what this is? This is the beginning of the cultural revolution in America. This is the CCP's political movements that killed millions of Chinese people in the making. During the cultural revolution in China, Mao Zedong asked fellow Chinese people to identify their neighbors, their family members, co-workers, friends, lovers, for the sake of political movements. Those identified were politically prosecuted, shamed, and put on display for everyone to see. They were branded as traitors, anti-revolutionaries, anti-nationalists. They were attacked physically, mentally, and then sent to prison. Some were even forced to live with pigs. Many were scholars, educated, everyday Chinese people. You had sons rat out their fathers, you had daughters rat out their mothers, and you had couples blaming each other. All that was done by the hatred against their difference in political ideologies, personal beliefs, cultural traditions. By the end of it, the Chinese culture was no longer about traditional values, heavenly beliefs, and moral standards. The communists destroyed all of that. They put in place jealousy, hate, division, while at the same time 
controlled how the public thinks, acts, and speaks. That same period is going to play out right here in America, right at this moment. AOC is calling for the resignation of Senator Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley because they spoke out against an election result, because they were brave enough to act differently. A few months ago, AOC wanted to start a list of people who were associated with Trump. Josh Hawley's book publisher canceled his book release because of his brave actions. This is what happened in communist China. The state, they will use every power and any chance they have to suppress your every aspect of your life. As well, CJ Pearson, who is now facing expulsion from the University of Alabama, has been voicing his support from President Trump. On January 6th, he attended the march and was framed for being participating in the violence. But University of Alabama is now trying to kick him out just because he shows a political support for Trump. This will happen everywhere. It will happen on campus. It will happen in your workplace. It will happen in the neighborhood. It will happen everywhere because communism is all about bringing hatred among everyday people. The fact that the president states that he believes this election was illegitimate, corrupted by fraud, and announces that he will not attend the inauguration does not mean he loses his power and authority under the Constitution. Until noon on January 20th, Trump is the president of the United States. Calls for presidential resignations are nothing new and have no legal force. And no one I've heard calling for Trump's impeachment has shown an example of his treason, bribery, or high crimes and misdemeanors. Article 2, Section 4 says, People may hate what he thinks, they may be infuriated by what he says, but that does not make it a crime. In fact, the First Amendment says the government is prohibited from infringing on his rights to free speech. So Trump is the president until January 20th, at least. But Trump's video last night shows that he did not list Joe Biden or call for concession in his speech. What Trump did say was he is for a peaceful transition of power. As well, he is heading to Camp David this weekend. We know that Pence is reported not considering the 25th Amendment to remove President Trump, but the Congress is attempting to impeach him just 13 days before inauguration. As well, in this tweet from Friday morning, Trump says, American patriots, they will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form, with a very, very different tone than before. Trump must have realized the outcome of those who supported him, what would happen to them once Trump leaves office. In my last video, I said there is one more way for Trump, so check it out if you want to know what that way is. Because right now, Nancy Pelosi is very scared of Trump using the military to seize control. According to this AP News article, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has spoken to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff about preventing President Trump from initiating military actions or nuclear strike. Pelosi recognizes that the next two weeks are still dangerous for the entire Congress. They were in such panic that Pelosi called Pence trying to get him to agree to the removal of the president. According to Reuters, Nancy Pelosi's laptop was stolen during the whole breaching of Congress doors. Who knows what exactly is on that laptop? Things seem to be weirder and weirder now. I wanted to finish off today with a conversation to you all, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm giving you a lecture. I'm in no place to do that, and these are just my thoughts. There is no reason to deny that the republic is in crisis. Many of us are not feeling the best. There seems to be a state of defeat. That is understandable. This is a life or death for democracy. But what I want to say is, this isn't the end of the line. Donald Trump came along and gave a new life to this country. Whether you deny it or accept it, the fact of the matter is that he really changed the country for the better in the last four years. There hasn't been a politician in Washington that truly considered people's values for a very long time. But this was never about Trump. This was about waking up the American people. Against a long slumber of truth, this world has fallen beyond control. It's so hard for anybody to really go out against the current, the pressure, the chaos, the anti-God. Some may be resentful of the results. The process isn't finished, but I understand that feeling. That feeling of suffering from seeing your prayers not answered. But I want to tell you this. Everything has a plan. Because I know one thing is, this world was built on. It was built on good, will always trump evil. This is what I believe in. 
Along the way, we suffer defeat, we suffer loss, we suffer chaos, but in the end, light will shine through. Well, I certainly hope David Zhang is correct. As I have said, I have great concerns about Biden taking control and then invoking the Insurrection Act himself or something close to it in order to crack down and bring out, bring on even more of what uh, you heard earlier about the feared reign of terror. But when you think about how else would these people react, they, they have to try to cover up what they did. We believe that they are they are they've stolen the election. Why are they, what are they afraid of in these investigations? Why are they holding back these secretaries of state? Many of them supported financially by George Soros, include, and George Soros also has ties with the people in the these companies, uh, the software and everything. As researcher and video maker Trevor Loudon stated on the Epic Times documentary, Who is Stealing America? You can see it on the Epic Times website. That's E-P-O-C-H. We are in the midst of a communist revolution, and yet 90% of the public has no idea about this. On Loudon's website, trevorloudon.com, that's L-O-U-D-O-N.com, T-R-E-V-O-R-L-O-U-D-O-N.com, there's been, a, there's been posted a sizable list of Congress members who have ties to communist and other socialist organizations. Yes, the events of the past few days, months, months rather, have been deeply disturbing deeply disturbing have left us with feelings of despair and anxiety about what's happened and what's ahead. At the same time, I've been inspired by seeing Americans from all backgrounds and walks of life united in their support for President Trump and what the president refers to as our movement, the ideals and values that we've all been fighting for in recent years. Let's not give up. Let's not lose hope. And let's continue to stand together and keep fighting for a better world ahead. Remember, you are not alone. There are close to 80 million of us who voted for Trump and other Republicans. That's a force to be reckoned with. That's it for our program today. Look for us again in two weeks in the same time slot, and have a good week. Have a good evening.